Welcome to SeatWorks, a podcast produced by the curriculum and training team at the Center on Education and Training for Employment, a translational research center on Ohio State's campus. We work where research meets reality. I'm your host, Farah Allen, a program coordinator at the center. This podcast series will focus on the various approaches and supports that our center offers to educators of all learners. How do educators engage, nurture, and support their learners? Listen in on these discussions that highlight how educators can connect with and understand their learners. At SEAT, we believe that everyone deserves to experience lifelong learning. To learn more about our work, you can visit our website, seat.osu.edu. Alicia Willis joins me as our guest today. Alicia is an instructional development specialist at our center and provides curriculum recommendations, development, and guidance for our center's programs. You'll get to hear Alicia talk about the importance of accessibility in analyzing learners and their needs, as she also explains her knowledge and skills involved with the overall design process. In the real world, you may hear other terms associated with instructional design, such as instructional technology, curriculum design, and instructional systems design. Alicia, welcome back. You were a guest in our first series where you talked about on-the-job training and what works. We're happy to have you back today talking about another topic that you're an expert in, and that's instructional design. Can you start us off by explaining what instructional design is, what it means, and how it relates to our overall theme of this series? Yeah, great. Thanks for having me, Farah. Instructional design encompasses all of what we do at the center. From analyzing learners and their needs, which is done by the evaluation team, Part of that also includes conducting job analysis and task analysis done by the DACOM team. And then our curriculum and training team plans, designs, and implements instruction. That includes goals and objectives, um, designing and developing instructional activities, conducting training for both face-to-face and online learning environments, either synchronously, which is where all learners participate at the same time, asynchronously, which is at the learner's own pace, or a hybrid of the two. And then also an instructional design is written in performance assessments, which is done by the assessment team, and evaluating learning interventions, which is goes back to the evaluation team. And this is a cycle. So it happens in a cycle over and over. Um, and it follows the ADDI process of analyze, design, development, implement, and evaluate. Within the development phase, I use SAM, which is the successive approximation model created by Allen Interactions. It allows for faster prototyping, review, and revision during development. Each instructional designer has a preferred process, and when asked which I prefer, I usually say that I prefer SAM within Addy. And learners are at the center of instructional design, which suggests that the learning experience design may be a more appropriate term. Learning experience design or LX design is the process of creating learning experiences that enable the learner to achieve the desired learning outcome 
in a human-centered and goal-oriented way. This puts the learner at the center. Learning experience design is newer, but may eventually become the go-to term for this type of work. Without learners, there isn't a need for instructional design. So before starting any instructional design project, you have to analyze learners and their needs. Instructional designers must also understand how people learn and think. Along with the variety of abilities and disabilities that learners have that may impact their learning experiences. All instructional designers need to provide accommodations to ensure instruction is geared towards every learner. Alicia, tell us a little bit how your work at the center directly connects to instructional design and how you originally got involved in it. Well, at the center, I'm the instructional development specialist. So I pretty much live and breathe instructional design. I just finished one project. So currently I'm working on three different instructional design projects that all involve creating online modules that are gonna be taken by learners at their own pace. And then they'll be followed with facilitated sessions that will expand on what learners learned in those modules. When I'm not planning, designing, or developing instruction, I'm learning new ways to understand learners and how to address their needs. Also, I try to stay on top of best practices and technology. Those seem to change daily. I was raised by teachers, so I grew up surrounded by instructional design but I didn't know that was what it was called until my second or third year at the center. Growing up, I was always driven to help show others how to do something if I saw them struggling. So it just kind of comes naturally. The first time I created instruction professionally was in 2001 with my first job um, out of college. I was one of the first people hired as a site services coordinator tasked with managing flexible offices for a computer company. It wasn't long after I started that I was tasked with creating training manuals and using them at other locations to train new coordinators. My next position was with an educational publisher, and there I developed textbooks and online education programs for elementary reading and career technical education courses. Then I joined the center in 2013 and now have more than 15 years of instructional design experience under my belt. Saying that makes me feel really old and a little exhausted. I love instructional design because the field is constantly changing. New tools and techniques come along every day to make designing instruction more effective for learners. And I love working at the center because I don't feel the pressure of being the sole expert on every phase of instructional design. Some instructional designers are the only one at their organization who does this work. And for me, that would be overwhelming. So you're always learning and tying into the overall theme of this series, can you tell us how this work benefits educators and learners? As I said before, this work is all centered around learners, Um, but a lot of what we do at the center is geared towards educators. When I started at the center, I designed instruction for Ohio's Aspire administrators, teachers, and support staff. Aspire is Ohio's adult basic and secondary education program. And with that work, I had a lot of pride in being able to help educators improve the lives of their students. My current work has a variety of audiences. One project is going to be delivered to teachers of pre-K through middle school students to help them and their schools improve practices of working with families to build student literacy. Another project will be delivered to K-12 leadership to help them implement positive changes 
to make their schools more equitable and inclusive. This work will ripple out to have positive impacts on teachers and students. A third project I am working on is going to be geared toward professionals who train employees in their organizations. The instruction provided by this work will help the training professionals learn how to develop competency-based instruction that builds on what they've learned in the Dacum Virtual Institute. During a typical day, I might be planning the goals and outcomes for one project, designing learning modules for another, and recording or editing audio and video for a third project. Alicia, following that very inspiring explanation, can you tell us what motivates you to do this work? Yeah, of course. Um, as I said before, my parents were educators, so I kind of feel like it's in my blood to help learners gain knowledge and skills. I also feel that I've been privileged and was exposed to anything and everything I wanted to know and learn. And so I think it's my duty to do whatever I can to help others learn and grow. Well, now that we have a look into what motivates you, how do you turn this around and inspire and support others in your work? <laughs> this is a difficult question because I don't think I am very inspiring at all. Um, I have a habit of downplaying my abilities or thinking everyone else already knows what I know. Um, I'm trying to get better at this, and I have worked with colleagues to help them learn whatever phase of instructional design they're interested in. I try to look for strengths in others and align those to part of instructional design that they might enjoy. Also, I try to make myself available for others to ask questions, but I don't know if I'm perceived as available. I try to be. <laughs> well, I can tell you as someone who utilizes your expertise and your knowledge, you're always accessible to me. You're very helpful and I've, I've learned a lot from you. So I appreciate that. Along these same lines of inspiration and support, we're a learning organization at SEAT. And since we're a learning culture, I'm going to turn the table just a bit. Can you share with us what professional development you have participated in most recently and what your biggest takeaway was or how did you grow from that experience? I love learning new things. So I take advantage of all the free trainings I can. Um, recently, I completed trainings um, on accessibility, both through LinkedIn Learning and courses that are offered to employees at Ohio State. And in those trainings, I learned how to make documents more accessible. Um, I knew the basics of what was covered, but they were good refreshers. It's always good to like keep it fresh in your mind. My biggest takeaway is that the styles in Microsoft Word are crucial to ensuring that text is accessible. If you use the styles properly, you'll have a lot less work on the back end to ensure a document's accessibility. And the more trainings I take, the more I realize that I'm my most dreaded type of learner. <laughs> I want information quickly. I don't like to participate in group activities and I don't complete the application activities provided to make what I learn stick. I would not like to design a training for me. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you for letting us have a deeper look into your own learning. I have one last question and I have to ask it. Is there any knowledge or skills that you sought out to gain during the pandemic? With the pandemic, because we were putting more and more things online and online has more accessibility challenges. And right now accessibility is big. I have been trying to gain all the knowledge and skills I can um, regarding accessibility to ensure that my instructional design projects are as accessible as possible to all learners. 
Accessibility is so important because if instruction isn't accessible to all learners, their needs won't be met. Learners have enough challenges in their lives, and I don't want accessibility to be an added barrier to anyone's learning experience. That's such positive reinforcement, Alicia. Thank you for taking the time to share your expertise, insights, and your personal story with us. For anyone interested in developing learning experiences or providing instruction to learners, our center has experts in every phase of instructional design. So we're a one-stop shop. On behalf of the curriculum and training team at the Center on Education and Training for Employment, we'd like to thank our guests today. If you would like more information on this topic, please contact us at go.osu.edu forward slash Ohio State for work. We would be happy to hear from you and share more information about our services and our work. Follow us on Twitter at Ohio State for work. See our description for details. Thank you for listening to SeatWorks. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be well and bye for now.